An important part of our songwriting journey is discovering and developing our sound as artists. So in this episode, we're going to talk about four mistakes when developing our sound as artists. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored to be speaking with you today. Honored that you would take an hour or less, hopefully less this time. I think it's going to be less, but uh, being willing to take that time out of your day to talk about songwriting, to learn about songwriting, and the fact that you're dedicated enough to learning the craft of songwriting or getting better at the craft of songwriting or whatever brought you here. Uh, is really awesome, and I appreciate you for that because the craft of songwriting is certainly important to me, so it is awesome that it is also important to you. Something I want to give you for free if you are here for the first time, or hey, if you're not here for the first time and you haven't gotten it yet, be sure to pick up my free guide on the 10 different ways to get started with your songwriting. It specifically talks about five ways to start a song from a lyrical standpoint and five ways from a musical standpoint. So whether you want to start with music first or lyrics first, there's something for you. And even if you're a more seasoned songwriter, it's really made as well to be a guide to give you different ways to start writing a song. Because if you've ever been here before, you know that I'm a huge fan of the idea that Starting a song from a different standpoint is a great way to have variety in our songs. And when I say variety, I'm not saying that they all sound radically different, like they're totally different artists. I'm just talking about it's a good hack, if you will, to really get yourself to not have all your songs sound exactly the same. We've all gotten that that album from an artist, right, where every song feels like just a worse version of the main single that we bought the album for. And if you're really young, maybe you just got confused when I said bot album. Um, and and also, I'm young enough that when I say buy album, I meant a CD in a jewel case. <laughs> but regardless, um, we've all experienced that when listening to an album. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is still staying within your sound generally, but yet having songs that don't all sound identical so that one song runs into the other. We don't want that. Great way to avoid that is just starting our song from different standpoints, not always starting with the chord progression, not always starting with writing the same type of part on the same instrument. So be sure to check that out. It's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the show notes and description as well. So in this episode, we're talking about mistakes that we can make when developing our sound. And I'm going to start with paying too much attention to the same people and the same artists that everyone else pays attention to. I'll be honest with you. It's it's kind of my pet peeve that like anybody remotely in the singer-songwriter or the lighter side of rock almost feels like this moral obligation to name the Beatles as one of their influences. And if they are, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think we should all go out of our way to force ourselves to research or listen to and learn from the artists that we're told are the greatest, right? Because just because an artist was super popular 50 years ago doesn't mean 
really anything. Um, now I get that it that it may sound like I'm taking a, you know I'm taking a shot at the classics, and I'm not. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But um, I, there are so many people that think that everybody needs to build off of the same five artists. And when I say five, I'm being generous because the Beatles are basically the only one I can actually think of. And you just don't, right? You, you, you just simply don't. If you are writing rock music, you do not have to study whoever the greats are considered to be, right? If you're doing something remotely in the grunge or post-grunge, you don't have to go listen to a bunch of Nirvana. You don't have to. If you don't like Nirvana, that's okay. It's a, it's okay to not like the the originators of the genre that you happen to be in. You really don't. It doesn't matter. So, in fact, I would argue... I'd go even one step further. It's actually a good thing in my mind to not be working off of the same artist that everybody else is. Right? If everybody if everybody's working off of the Beatles, what are we going to get? A bunch of second-rate Beatles like we we don't want that, right? So something that that this has been in my mind a long time because way back in the day when I I went into the studio to get the the album that me and my band at the time did uh, professionally mixed, so we recorded it in our dorm rooms, um, but we decided mixing was something that we should have done professionally. And a conversation I had with that, that guy really struck me, because he was really digging uh, the more rock songs that I had written, and so, so he was excited about it. But then, like, he asked me, like, oh, like, I forget what artist it was, but it, it, it was something like, you know, have do you know this legendary Stone Temple Pilots riff or something like that. I don't know if it's Stone Temple Pilots. That just is what comes to mind right now. And and he was like incredulous that I, I didn't know. I didn't really even know who they were at the time. And frankly, I didn't really care either. And he kind of gave me almost like this mini lecture of like how I, I had to, you know, study all the, the people that came before me in the general genre that I was writing in. I remember thinking, why? Why? What, do I want to be just like them or do I want to be different? And my best shot at being different is actually not is not just being influenced by them, right? So if you're in a similar position, my main point to you is don't worry about paying so much attention to certain artists that people are going to pressure you into thinking you have to care. So if you love the Beatles, that's fine. If you don't, or if you just are like, yeah, okay, they're cool, whatever, but I don't really consider them that influential to me personally, that's okay. Right? It's okay for you to be inspired by an artist who is inspired by them. Right? It's, it's okay for us to advance generations. A hundred years from now, I don't want every single artist still saying, hey, you know who I'm inspired by? The Beatles. Right? Because then, but by that point, artists who aren't even out yet will be the new Beatles in the sense of like, it's music from, you know, 50 years prior, give or take, that, uh, what is it, 60 now? Whatever. Long time ago, that is now something that people are citing as influences. So we have to move at some point, right? So at some, at some point, maybe it's time to start picking bands that aren't from forever ago as our influences. Now, again, 
My main point here has nothing to do with, you know, don't pick the Beatles. Again, if you're inspired by the Beatles, totally fine. Just don't let somebody tell you that, oh, you do country music, so you have to study whoever they would say. I don't know, Johnny Cash? I, 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 don't, I don't actually know who what, what people would say. You don't have to do that. If you don't like him, who cares? Right? <laughs> who cares? It doesn't matter. Be inspired by what you're inspired by. Number two, only developing off of similar artists or genres. So this is another thing that can quickly get us to sound like every other artist in our genre. Is it good to know some of the conventions of the genre that we're writing in? Like, is it good to know that oftentimes in some harder rock music, the way that they get single note um riffs, if you will, sound so thick is by doubling and quadrupling the guitar part. Sure. Yeah, that is absolutely helpful. But we also don't want to find ourselves just blindly falling into genre tropes, right? Like, oh, I'm in this genre. I I have to use this instrument. Or, you know, I, I absolutely must do this stylistic thing because I'm in this genre. I can't do EDM without a drop. Right. And those things just aren't true. And in fact, I think a quick shot of magic can be added to our songs when we're just taking a small concept from another genre. And when I say a small concept from another genre, I mean both stylistic and instrumental. So, for example, you could take post grunge style guitars and add them to a singer-songwriter song. So for example, there's a song I'm working on, on now that I really took influence from the guitar stylistics of Breaking Benjamin, but I put it in a very singer-songwriter, mostly piano-based song that otherwise would be closer to something like Five for Fighting uh, from like 15 years ago, or maybe a Coldplay, but probably closer to Five for Fighting than it is Breaking Benjamin. But I took the concept of how Breaking Benjamin does their like low string, single note, riff, guitars, and then quadruples them. So I took that concept from one very different genre and put it into a different song. But also instrumental. You could put steel guitar in your rock song. In fact, uh, if you've if you've ever been a listener, you know my favorite artist of all time, and it's not really close, is Vertical Horizon, and their song "Best I Ever Had," which ended up ended ended up um, getting covered by a country artist later, probably because of this. But uh, the original song is not a country song, uh, but it had steel guitar in it, and I absolutely love how it adds to the song. And I never would have thought that. Steel guitar is kind of one of those instruments that when I think of the sound, I think of something that I would not normally like. It's not normally something that uh, that I would look for in a song. And yet, I found it in a place that maybe you wouldn't expect it, and it worked for me so much. And that can happen for you too. So don't just develop off of similar artists or genres. Sometimes looking at a different genre... And looking at significantly different artists 
can really help you bring in to your, your sound something that is unconventional for the, the general genre that you find yourself in, which can be a great way to stand out. Right? Because a great way to not stand out is to simply sound like every other artist of your genre exactly with no differences at all. Now, these don't have to be radical differences. It's amazing what just a single instrument being added that's unconventional can add. You add just a single organ part to a song where you wouldn't expect it instantly changes the whole vibe of the song. But it's subtle. It's not enough that like people would necessarily notice half the time. It just is one of those things that for the average listener, they'll be like, huh, something's different, kind of cool about this song, but they won't necessarily know why. So it doesn't have to be a major thing. And off of this similar artists or genres, you don't even have to develop off of genres you like. Because there can be elements that you like from genres that you generally don't care for. Right? Maybe you don't care for rap, but they have a certain style, or at least not pop rap, but some of the older rap has a certain storytelling way about them, right? And and because they can fit a lot of lyrics in, uh, a lot of them are are quite quite good storytellers, right? And 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 they have all kinds of really fancy rhyme schemes that can be really really quite intricate. They make good use of things like slant rhymes and rhymes that aren't perfect, whereas your average songwriter probably overly uses perfect rhymes. So there's something to be learned from that. Maybe you don't like EDM, but maybe the concept of the drop is something that you like, which, to be clear, the drop is not exactly originated with EDM. It kind of is birthed out of, like, 70s rock. There was some element of that. Just at the time, it was more, you know, guitar riff interlude, really. Um but 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 the concept uh, remains the same. It's sort of this instrumental part that comes directly after the chorus. Now, specifically in the drop, especially with the pop sensibilities of today, oftentimes the, the, the drop in pop music is actually the highlight of the song, even over the chorus. The chorus almost builds to the drop, which that comes more directly from EDM. That's, that's really a very intrinsically EDM thing where... And I'm not saying nothing did it before then, but but EDM really brought that into the mainstream for sure. Where you know you have you have this idea where the part where the person singing doesn't have to be the highlight of the song, right? If you take especially any EDM type song in like 2015, 2016, almost all of them, all of them had the drop, and the drop was the highlight of the song. And by highlight, I mean whether it was your favorite or not, it was certainly the energy high point of the song. So if you were to, to draw a map of the perceived energy over the course of the song, the high peaks of it would be the drops. Which is kind of ironic when you think of the name. But even if you don't like EDM, you might like that concept that... EDM really started, or maybe not started, but uh, added to and have has brought to the mainstream. And you can take that and take that concept of a drop and bring it back into rock music or bring it into a singer-songwriter song or bring it into a country song. You can take those elements from a genre that you don't even like 
But that doesn't mean there aren't elements of that genre that you do like. So you can add organ to your EDM song. You can write a guitar riff in a hard rock style for your singer-songwriter song. You can add steel guitar to your rock song, even if you don't care for country. I'm, I, I wouldn't consider myself an accordion person, uh, and I, I think it's an accordion in this song, um, but Carry On by Fun, which for some reason I'm on a fun kick here recently. Um, I mean, mostly just like two songs, but um, both Carry On and... Um, not We Are Young, whatever the other one is. Some nights, there we go. But Carry On has, I believe, an accordion in it. An accordion is not something that normally I would think anything of, or it's certainly not something I'm like, oh, you know what I need in my music? Accordion. But oh my goodness, it brings that song to the next level, in my opinion. So it has me thinking, huh, interesting. I, I just never would have thought of accordion. Uh, not, not. You know, it's not necessarily something I would conventionally add to music, and yet the vibe that it adds to that song is quite wonderful, and I really like it. Uh, maybe you don't love Celtic music, but, you know, adding adding some bagpipes, getting that your local bagpipe player on your song might, might be just enough of a Scottish flair to add to it. Or another example, actually, uh, I'll go back to Breaking Benjamin for a minute, Diary of Jane, which is the one song that probably everybody knows from them, uh, the intro has a didgeridoo, and it sounds awesome. It sounds so cool. Uh, but another thing, I, I, I don't even think I would have known about the didgeridoo back in the day if it wasn't for that song. I just had to figure out what is that instrument? What is that thing? Um, and I already gave the example of I'm not a huge country person personally, and uh, but, I, but I love the steel guitar and Best, I, Best I've Ever Had by Vertical Horizon. Um, now a part of that's just, I'm super biased towards Vertical Horizon, but Best I Ever Had is just a, a fantastic song and that the steel guitar sound just fits that song so perfectly. And uh, again, I just wouldn't have guessed it, but the idea here is don't miss out on elements that you can incorporate into your sound from genres, from artists you don't like. Because there's a million reasons that go into why we do and don't like artists. And there's going to be a bunch of things about even your favorite artists that maybe you don't really like or you don't love necessarily. And, you know, there's going to be other things that you do love about your favorite artists that compensate for the stuff that maybe you don't love. But the reverse is true as well, where just because we don't like an artist or genre doesn't mean there aren't elements of that that we really, really like. So it can be important to developing our sound to listen for those things and try to find those things. I've tried to get in the habit. I I, I used to be, and I, I probably still am a little bit, um, but um, my wife's taste in music is not always my favorite. Uh, it's, it's a little too pop-centric for my taste. Uh, now, 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 to be clear, uh, she likes a whole bunch of different music, and she likes most of the music I like as well. But but generally speaking, if she's turning on music in the car, it's 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 more the pop sensibilities that are, are not necessarily my favorite. Um, 
but I've tried instead of instead of getting irritated at how abysmally bad some of the lyrics are. I try instead now to be like, well, you know, it's here, it's on. So let me try to find the silver lining. Let me try to find something interesting about this song or something that I can learn from this song, whether it's just the, uh, the way they write the bass line or I hate the song, but I still find myself tapping my foot. What is it that gives that effect? What is the drum beat? Or whether there's just an interesting section where it does something that I don't really expect and maybe I don't like what it just did, but figuring out what it is that happened that got me got my attention back after zoning out from hating it for the first two minutes, what brought me back? So paying attention to those type of things to incorporate possibly into our own sound is something that can be really important. But the most important thing to do when we're developing our sound is to make sure that we don't lose ourselves and our quest to be a second-rate somebody else. So I feel like I've done a whole episode on this, so I won't go too deep into the, the specifics. But generally speaking, you want to be a first-rate you and not a second-rate somebody else, right? No, Nobody cares about I – mean, I mean, they kind of do, but, like, really nobody cares about that – I forget what they're even called. But, you know, the, the like, fake bands, like pink, the, the Pink Floyd cover band type people, right? Um, that That's great to have a few shows and – and have have people come out and whatever, but like, does anybody know the name of the the people in those bands? Do they care? No, you're just emulating somebody else, and you're a poor man's version of somebody else. I don't know about you, but as a songwriter, I that that's certainly not what I want to be. I don't think that's what you want to be either. Which, of course, by by nature, a cover band doesn't write their own songs, but um, so not not a perfect analogy, but by or, or even close, or even close. You don't have to tell me. I know. I know. I've done better. I'll do better. We'll be okay. Okay. So um, ultimately, we're on a quest to find our own sound. And the intriguing part of this is, in a sense, you can pull different elements from other sounds, and there's nothing new under the sun. So in a way, you know, we're we're not going to be anything totally new. And, and, and in, in a way... We are going to be a combination of all of the different things that we take from different artists and genres and everything else. Um, but yet at the end of the day, we need to be 100% us, which is kind of an, an interesting thing because what makes us uniquely us ends up being sort of this combination of other things. But I think there's a little more to it as well which is we don't want to get too lost in pulling things from other artists and other genres and other places that we're losing sight of what do we want to be. Because you don't actually have to have an artist that you emulate directly. You can have things that are uniquely you, that you bring to the table, that you can't necessarily point to one of your influences as the reason that you have certain... Uh, lyrical sensibilities, and you don't have to have a specific artist who you model your guitar riffs after, right? At the end of the day, while it's fun to look at the different things that maybe we pulled from some of the artists we really like or some of the artists that maybe we don't really like but yet we were influenced by, but ultimately our goal is to be a first-rate us because that's really – 
our, you know, as an artist, that's that's got to be our goal, right? Is because who who wants Beatles version two? Who wants Nirvana version two? Who wants Elvis version? No, nobody. Nobody wants that. There's only one, and our best shot is being uniquely us, whatever that means to us. So don't get too bogged down in, hey, let me pull this from this artist and this from this artist. Sometimes do that. It can add to your sound, especially if you're in a place where inspiration is running dry. It can be really helpful to seek out and be specific about like, hey, I want to write a cool bass line kind of like this one song that I'm influenced by. Or you know, explicitly going out of your way and being like, hey, you know, I, I I really like a certain type of music. Like, you know, I really like hymns and I, or, or the sound of them and sort of the regal sound of the organ. So I'm going to expl- I'm going to make sure to grab the organ and use that in a song. Sometimes that's a great way to just, to just add, like, just get the spark back. But ultimately on our quest to find our own sound, Sometimes we just have to develop our own sound by writing songs. And where we end up might not be something super scientific, and it might not be something that is by design. In fact, probably if you listened to my music, I don't think, uh, even though Vertical Horizon is my favorite artist, you would think that that would sort of correlate with being the one that my sound most closely matches. And it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, I, they're guitar heavy. I'm piano heavy. And I, I certainly utilize a lot of guitars. Um, and I layer them in a similar way as Vertical Horizon does. But, and I have some lyrical sensibilities in the sense that they tend to be darker, cup half empty type, and I also lean that way. But that, that's, I mean, that's like half of music, right? If anything, you would hear more, uh, probably Five for Fighting in your average song. But even that, uh, the, the chorus is billed to be a lot bigger than Five for Fighting. I don't use his um, melodic style, stylistics. He tends to be very heavy on using falsetto. I tend to be a belt the high notes person. Um, so I, I take more my choruses from more the Breaking Benjamin area of things with belted high notes and epic melodies. That's that's more my thing. So artists that you like more and even some of your favorite artists, they might not end up ultimately directly influencing your sound as, as much as you think. And that could be from an instrumental side of things. Um, Cause certainly just that can make a big difference. A, a piano heavy uh, artist is going to sound different than a guitar heavy artist. They, they just are right. The one is going to have, you know, often a guitar heavy artist is going to, sometimes they don't even have pianos or keyboards in their songs. Uh, whereas a piano-heavy one usually still incorporates guitars, but the guitar parts are probably going to be a lot less memorable than a guitar-focused artist. But at the same time, usually a piano artist is going to have a more interesting uh, grouping of of piano riffs and piano parts than your average rock band that just throws the piano in there. So ultimately, our goal is to find 
out what we are. And at the end of the day, it's it, it, the goal is to get it to become less and less scientific until eventually you're at the point where your sound is evolving off of your sound rather than off of other people's sound. Because at, at first, at first we're, we're probably going to take inspiration from our favorite artists around us. But eventually as we are molding our sound, we can eventually get to a point where our sound is more evolving from itself than it is evolving from others before us. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's at least what my experience has been where, you know, early on, I probably paid more attention to, oh, okay, this is how Five for Fighting writes a cool piano riff that I find really memorable. And, oh, okay, this is how Vertical Horizon sort of gets their guitar sounds. But eventually you get lost along the way. And now, you know, as I'm sort of working on my second solo EP here, um, which the first one I still need to record vocals and be done with, but... Um, I'm I'm evolving the sound more off of that first EP. I'm no longer really even thinking about the artists behind the sound and some of my influences along the way. In fact, the most I think about them is really really just to record this podcast because at this point I'm more just evolving from what I've done before now. And I think that's a good place to be. It's not that we can't, again, explicitly take some influence from certain other songs or artists, and I still certainly do that for certain songs. But when you know you have your own sound is when your sound is evolving from itself. It's It continues to adjust, but it's just growing naturally from your sound. And you're no longer really thinking about how your song, your sound is almost a a combination of other sounds that inspired you along the way. You're no longer actively thinking about that. That's kind of in the rear view mirror now. And I think that's a good place to be. But overall, just don't lose yourself trying to be a second rate somebody else, especially if you have one main influence. This can be a huge danger. So be sure to have a whole bunch of influences. Be sure to be seeking out different music that that maybe is unexpected to be influential. And at the end of the day, make sure that your mission is not so much to copy what another artist did or be like another artist so much as to find out who you are as an artist and utilizing along the way the different artists that have inspired you because likely your sound is going to be somewhat similar to some of your favorite artists. But even that, not necessarily. So hope this was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to grab that free guide I mentioned before, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. To get started, we'll help you get started on songs from 10 different standpoints. I like to compare it to being dropped on an island in different places, right? If you're dropped by the beach, you might just sit on the beach all week and not even realize that there was a volcano on the island hidden behind the trees. If you're dropped by the volcano, you might have been like, ooh, cool volcano and hiked up it and had more of a hiking vacation. If you were dropped by the caves and and the rocks, you might not even have noticed that there was a nice beach or a volcano because you're too busy you know, trying trying to get 
climb up the rocks and tr- try to see where you are. And if there's an, a hotel on the island and you're dropped by the hotel, maybe you didn't even realize that there were people that were on the other side of the island climbing a volcano thinking to themselves they were on a deserted island. Right? So it's sometimes it's just all about where you start. Because where you start, that then you let's say you only have a mile that you go in a song because it's it's 4 minutes usually. 4 minutes or less. Maybe 5 minutes or less for your average average song. You only have so much time and the sound over the course of a song is only going to evolve so much uh, unless it's Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> but but basically every other song, right, especially ones that are non-classical, tend to evolve only so much. That's how it sounds like one cohesive song. So depending on where you're starting the song from, it can have radically different results. So I think it's important to be starting from different standpoints. Again, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. If you find this podcast helpful, I know many of you have left kind reviews. I super appreciate that. That means a lot to me that you would take the time to leave a review. It, it certainly is not lost on me that you can listen to this podcast every single week and never actually make the you know, five minutes or whatever it takes. Uh, to leave a podcast review. I totally understand that. I've gone a long time listening to podcasts and forget to do podcast reviews even when they mention them at the end of the episode. Uh, So for those of you who have gone out of your way to do that, I appreciate that so much. And again, if you do appreciate the podcast, that's something you can do to help out leaving a kind five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Go out and discover your sound. Know that it's going to be a longer journey. Enjoy the journey. I think it's super fun. I think it's one of the more rewarding parts of of being a songwriter is is sort of evolving your sound over time until it feels like you're no longer a cheap copy of some of the artists you like, but you really come into your own as your own artist. I think that's one of the most exciting parts of being a songwriter. Be patient about it. Have fun with it. Try to avoid these four mistakes. And I will talk to you in the next one.